Hey, Jen, if uh, if money was no object, what car would you own? The Alpine 50 Concept Edition. Is that a real car? Yeah, it's on my Facebook page. Okay. If $100,000 was the amount of money you had to spend, what would you own? 100000 Yeah. I'd have to say a vet or... Oof. What's the other one I really like? Um... Aston Martin. Okay, so you'd have an Aston Martin. Mm-hmm. What any particular kind? The Rapide, Rapide S, the DB11. Yeah, I like okay. the DB. No, I like the Super. Was it Super Legger? Is that how you say? Yeah, it's a DB11. Yeah, but I think yeah. that's more than hundred thousand. Super Legger. Yeah. Yeah. Is that what it's called now? You're making me wonder. Super Super Legger. Super Legger. Yeah, something something like that. Um, if you had to pay for it yourself, what would you own? Uh, for a hundred thousand? No. If you had to spend, if you had to buy a car now, you didn't have a car. What would you buy? There's too many options. Is there? Yeah. There's a lot of different. You'd buy a Nissan Titan truck, I think. Actually, no. Since I have two trucks, like I said, no, I. No, you won't... don't have a car. Oh, I don't have any. No, you don't have anything. And I have to go buy something. Yeah. Do I have a spending limit? No. You can, sp- but you have to pay for it. That's fine. Mm. That's fine. Yeah. I, I, a... I still <laughs> think the Corvette. Really? Yeah. So you would buy a Corvette now if you didn't have a ride. You have to pay for it. That that's fine because I'd have if I didn't have any vehicles, I would actually have some more money in the bank <laughs> to put Do down. You see where I'm going here? This is a theme. How about I you just give me your vehicles? Nope. And then you have to go buy one. Does it nope. make life easier? No. How much do you spend on maintaining your vehicles? Not very much. No, but enough that you could buy a Corvette if you didn't. No, I just, right now, you know, I'm trying to pay more towards my house payment. Right. So I can cut my house, you know, amount down. So right now that cars are not a priority, getting that house paid down is. All right. So. But you, you have 19 cars in your driveway no, anyway, I do not. <laughs> 19. That's you, 19 uh, cars. Are you going to ask me what I would buy? I think I know. Well, you do? Okay. It would have to be, I think, if you money was no object yeah. kind of thing, possibly a Defender. Yeah, probably. Maybe. I don't know. Um, a Lexus 500. What is it? HR? HC? Oh. Uh, no, RC. No, no. The uh, LC the 500? F- F1. Well, the one with the F on it. The racing one. LC 500F? Yes. Um, I would... You know what? If I if money was no object, I'd probably have a Rolls AMG G wagon. No, I wouldn't oh. have a Rolls Royce. Um, or I might have a BMW 7 Series, an M7 when that came. Or I like the Audi Q8. The Maybach. Uh, no, well maybe the Maybach, but it's only available in China. The the G wagon, Maybach G wagon. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'd have that. Yeah. Um, but I might be. I might. I have to buy a vehicle over six thousand pounds for tax reasons at the I end of this year. I told you to buy. What? The Bentley Continental. Yeah, but over six thousand pounds. It's over six thousand pounds. I know, but it's out of my budget range. Well, we I'm were thinking of a Jeep Wrangler object. Diesel. Well, there you go. That's over six thousand pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, I have a Lexus LLX uh, four sixty. Um, I have a Mini uh, Cooper John, uh, the Countryman John Cooper Works, uh, which is really fast, and I have a Nissan Titan truck two thousand eighteen. Um, but I think I I really would like something. I was gonna get a BMW two series, the M two, the M two three thirty five I. Yeah, that's it. That's I the prefer one. car with names. You do? <laughs> yes, I can remember them. All right. <laughs>
Uh, apparently, Aston Martin, though. You prefer Aston Martin. Oh, I love Aston Martin. But, See, you know, there's a few others I love. What have there. you just learned here? Before we begin the show, what you've learned is we have champagne taste and beer budgets. <laughs> We're cheap. <laughs> we can't afford uh, anything Tequila budgets. Tequila budgets? <laughs> Tequila budgets. That's you, not me, Jen. <laughs> All right, let's start the show. Start the show, please. This, this is the Our Auto Expert Podcast. Find us on air, online, on mobile, and on your smart speaker. Please subscribe at ourautoexpert.com. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Now, here's the host of Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Nick Miles. Locally created, nationally celebrated from the northwest and southeast, this is America's Car Radio Show. If it has a throttle, we'll feature it on air, online, on smartphone or on smart speaker. This is our auto expert, where two million Americans get their automotive news daily. I'm Nick Miles, your host, along with truck girl Jen. On today's show, we'll find out all about the brand new operating system for all FCA vehicles, Uconnect 5. We'll have the chief designer on to tell us Is it going to be easier, faster, and stronger? Cadillac have a bunch of new vehicles out, and they're bringing back the Vs. Now, something to help you sleep at night. Thinking about the new Cadillac V-Series in the uh, CT4 and 5, we'll find out about those. Mark Gillies to tell us why the Atlas is a really solid American vehicle. The seven things that make it made in America and one of the best competitive vehicles out there. And we'll find out about Ford. They'll be talking about the Escape. This is a car or SUV or CUV that will get you and your family around. We'll find out all about that. Plus Anton Wallman joining us to talk about what's new in the automotive industry. When are the factories going to be sparking up again? When are jobs going to be returning to all those automotive factories? And what the business looks like plus elon musk making some very strange tweets this week we'll find out why his share price dropped after those tweets and what that is all about so jen on the way over here today you gave me a hard time about the the interior of the car i was driving Uh two weeks in a row you've knocked bmw i'm not going there with you today (laughs) last week the x5m was a cow (laughs) this week the interior looks cheap of the 228i. <sighs> You're getting me good in with the manufacturers here, like Dell. Watch those loans come spilling out from BMW for you. What happened on the way home from the show last week? Uh, you decided to see how fast you can go and make me sick. I have video of Jen screaming inside the car going, oh, oh, I can open a window. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. You just thought it was a regular SUV. I didn't even tell you it was the M, did I? No. And then we put it into sport mode and floored it. We've got to 82 miles an hour in like five seconds. But the problem, I would have been fine if I was looking forward. But you said, hey, what's that down there? And then you gunned it, you know? And it's like I'm looking down and I'm like, oh. (laughs) I think you you think that when you do that to someone, it would be over like in 30 seconds. No, about 45 minutes later, she'll go, I didn't see her. Deep breath. (laughs) I was. I want to throw up my lunch. Ugh. Yeah, I I was definitely understanding why a dog hangs his head out the window. I was definitely feeling it. Mm. Hosing the vomit off the side of the BMW <laughs> X5 for a whole week. <laughs> uh, I like the two series, by the way, two twenty eight i, the the Grand Coupe. 
mm-hmm. four door two series. Most of their, you know, it's the coupe look. Mm-hmm. I was in Munich last year, and we got to drive a camoed version of it, but we were sworn to secrecy, and we weren't allowed to tell anybody. It's one of my favorite cars. I do like the M version, the the M two twenty eight, M two thirty five better. It's a little more sporty. This one's fine, uh, except apparently the inside's cheap. But apart from that, it's really nice. Jesus, it's it's a really nice vehicle. <laughs> okay. What did you just say? Okay. <laughs> no, before that. Cheeses. Yeah. Cheese. Oh, cheeses. Cheeses. All right. We're on the radio. Yeah, just checking. Mm-hmm. All right. Clearly, you love BMW very much. I do. I actually really love BMW. I like the sporty little. Except the ones that look like a cow and oh. are cheap on the inside. Okay. Hey, this uh, is pick on Jen Day, and Jen needs more coffee. Uh, we found out today or yesterday that you can buy a used uh, Fiat 500e electric with sixteen thousand miles on it for about six thousand dollars at auction in California. Jen doesn't want one. I didn't say. I didn't say I didn't want one. She didn't I like them. Well, it's the electric. Oh. <sighs> I know. You know that the electric has more torque than some of the trucks, right? Yeah. Put your foot down, that thing. Whoa, I know. It sings. Have you I ever know. been on the Tesla in, in, in the crazy mode? No. I have never been in a Tesla. Uh, the crazy mode in the Tesla is amazing. It just You can't do it over Nick, and over again. Nick, every time I get in a car with you, it's crazy mode, so <laughs> I don't need a Tesla to prove Pow! that. <laughs> Your driving is abysmal, Nick. Apparently, apparently, I'm not a good driver. Hey, pack show today. Well, yeah. which, which part are you looking forward to? Guess. Can you guess? Cadillac. Yes. CTSV. Mm-hmm. Oh, C- no, CT four and five V. Yeah, Blackwing. Blackwing. I was sad when they got rid of the V's. I know. And I'm happy now they're bringing the V's back. Uh, although I could do without the felt interior. Mm. Cadillac V's always had the felt interior. Never, I mean, never got me going excitedly. Well, I just know that they perform beautifully on the racetrack. Oh, what about the everyday? How often are you on the racetrack? <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> it's been a long while. Keep opening those doors, Jen. I'm just going to slam them right behind you. <laughs> Have you ever been on one on the racetrack? Yes. Great. In Red Rock. Really? Yeah. Nice PIR. Las Vegas. And it might have been legal either, but yeah. I I got an ad on Facebook the other day for a company that is doing track days where you can drive anything on the track at PIR in Portland. They're doing Mm -hmm. them all over. Seattle, Chicago, Portland. You choose which car you want to do. You sign up for an hour and a half session. Wait, is that the extreme experience? Yeah, that's right. I've done that. And? That's what I drove the Lamborghini. Uh Uh-huh. It's fun. It's not the actual track at PM... PIR. Oh. They they make going they make a mini track like in the very front parking area, but it's fun. I mean, I had a good time. Wait, uh, you don't get to drive the full track? No. The pictures look like you're on the full track. Yeah, Is this that a bait and switch. No, it's just there's a lot. It's of... a bait but not switch. I'm confused. <laughs> what is it? They don't allow you on the track at PIR. Um, I'm not going. That's now. what they told me. I'm out. It was fun though. I know. I'd do it again. I want to drive. I've driven the track several times. Well, yeah, but this is a parking lot track, so good luck. Boo. Only drive Lamborghini on a real real track. I know. What was it? I drove a hurricane. Yes, Dubai. The F1 track in Dubai. By the way, if you go to to Dubai to ever drive the F1 track, 
Don't ever have the beef bacon at breakfast. <laughs> beef should not be bacon. I'm just saying. It's uh, Bahrain is primarily a. Uh, but it was Bahrain, not Dubai. Bahrain is oh, primarily sorry. a Muslim country, yeah. and they don't have pork products. Right. So they decided to make bacon out of beef. That didn't work. Not well. But you ate it. More coming up on our auto expert. Stand by. You're listening to our auto expert. Catch up with previous episodes of the show. Our website is OurAutoExpert.com. You can hear all past shows, see our automotive videos, and read insider car stories about your next ride. Our Auto Expert is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. You can all find it at OurAutoExpert.com. Well, one of the number one reasons people buy a new car or things that they sort out about their new vehicles is the infotainment and the technology. When was the last time that you looked at a car on the lot and that was the first thing you sought out? How big is the screen? How fast is it? What can it do? Uh, all of those different things are hugely important to new car buyers. Well, there is a new system coming onto the market and it's here very soon. To talk about it is uh, Vince. He is the chief designer of the user experience at FCA and you have a Uconnect 5. So Vince, the first question is how much better is Uconnect 5 than Uconnect 4 and should we really be this excited about an operating system or a infotainment system inside a vehicle? Hey Nick, how are you doing today? Great. Yeah, we're, we're really excited about Uconnect 5. Um, I think we, we get so much good feedback about our, our system from Uconnect, Uconnect 4 that uh, we, we just we couldn't wait to, we can't wait to get this uh, in people's hands and it will be significantly better um, than what we already have on the road today. And I think the, 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 first, the first reason is it's just much, much more responsive. I mean, we've got five times more computing power wow. in, our, in our new system than we had in our previous system. And, and the system we have on the road today, Uconnect 4, is no slouch. So that should tell you this new one's going to be really, really fast. One of the um, things, thing one of the is, things uh, I always say about Uconnect, Vince, was the big change is that in Uconnect, different from any other system, you've always had accessibility as the number one thing, where, the, where the, you have an 8 by 8 inch screen, and at the bottom of the screen, you've always had the buttons. That was the, the big thing that set it apart, but now you're saying it's going to have that same feature, but it's going to be faster? Yeah, yeah. So we're still, you still can access all of your apps across the bottom, just like all of our customers are used to doing. Um, it's going to be, uh, again, like, like you said, much faster than today. And you'll actually, we've actually added to that bottom bar, we've added a section called home screen. we will be able to actually build your own custom interface as well. So um, the, the design goal on that one was, how do we get people to be able to get to their favorite features and functions, the things they use all the time with one touch? So we've expanded upon, we've expanded upon that concept of the menu bar. And you also added some uh, some valet modes or a valet mode in it, which does it's purely what it says. It uh, enables the car for a valet to use the basics, but not get into your personal stuff. Correct. Yeah, that's a, that's exactly what the valet mode does. Um, and we, we've had that on um, some of our SRT products today. We've got a valet mode, obviously, because you know the, the customers with those cars don't want full access there, but uh, I think what maybe um, one of the other things you're referring to is the user profile that we've added to Uconnect 5, and that is a, that's a brand new thing for us, uh, so that'll actually save all of your personal settings, so not just to protect your, uh, anything that you have or you know, protect your preferences, you can actually have multiple drivers in your car have different preferences and really easily and quickly switch between them. 
That's good because Jen and I have very different likes and dislikes in vehicles. So she can uh, <laughs> we we now now we're uh, now we're good. We can ride in the same vehicle. Talk to me a little bit about Alexa because this is one of the big things that's getting integrated into vehicles, and you've taken that step as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, yeah. Alexa is uh, is our is fully integrated into our system today. We we have Alexa available in our cars, but it's it's just uh, it's the Alexa app within the within our app drawer. With Uconnect 5, Alexa is going to be integrated through the full system. So in addition to the, uh, you know, the, the usual, the, the great voice features uh, that Alexa brings, you'll be able to integrate fully into the navigation. You'll be able to uh, use the Alexa music or Amazon music right, right there in your music section of your radio. So it's actually fully integrated throughout the whole system and, and kind of some of those key places that I mentioned. If I already have a vehicle that has uh, Uconnect 4 in, is this a whole new hardware and software-based thing, or can you get an upgrade? No, this, this, is, a brand, this is brand new. So it, it's an all-new uh, hardware on the, on the computing side. And then on the software side, another great, um, one of the big, big up improvements for Uconnect 5 is that the base uh, operating system is built on Android. So both hardware and software on the new system are, are fully are brand new. Excellent. And and you have, I guess, all the usual things that I hopefully would expect in, in a vehicle, uh, being able to pair with my cell phone and also exchange information with that? Yep, yep. So, uh, and actually, today, uh, with the, with the uh, uh, Uconnect 5, you can actually pair two phones. Uh, oh. So in addition to having your own, each having your own user profile, you can actually pack, pair, pair two phones and switch between them. On top of that, uh, if you're somebody that loves to use Apple CarPlay or Android Auto, that's all wireless with uh, Uconnect 5. So you can do all those great things uh, that you mentioned by tethering your phone right to the radio and never have to take it out of your pocket. Now, I have to have both phones because I have uh, an Apple for work and an Android for personal. And uh, one, of the, <laughs> right, one of the things I absolutely love about uh, Apple is that when I get out of my car and walk away, it sends me a message when you have wireless saying, oh, this is where you parked your car just in case you forget, which I love, which Android doesn't yeah. do. And, you know, like especially when you travel from airport to airport like me and you're like, oh, what section did I park in? When you, I can, to- you can pin that in Google Maps. I know, but you don't have to do anything. The okay. phone does everything for you. Until you leave your phone. So you, well, if you lose your phone, Jeff, with our Uconnect app as well. If you lose your phone, you've got you've got a lot of other problems. I have to tell mm-hmm. you too. Uh, how is this updated? Because uh, you know, normally you'd have to go into a dealer and get a dealer update. So when updates come out in the future, will you be able to do that over the air? You will. Uh, so with Uconnect Five, uh, we've actually brought connectivity to every single one of our products, so they'll all be connected via uh, 4G. And uh, so what that'll allow us to do is to send updates right to your car. You can also connect uh, to your home Wi-Fi and get updates that way. Now, you had uh, 360 in the RAM for the first time on the Uconnect 4, uh, which is kind of a cool XM, uh, Sirius XM feature where you can really play anything from history uh, back again. So if you missed yesterday's ball game, uh, which unfortunately there isn't any going on right now, but when you miss something, you can go back and listen to it from the beginning. Is that feature now drifting into all vehicles? Yep, yep, we've included, it's uh, so Sirius XM 360L, uh, as you mentioned, started in uh, the RAM uh, with the 12-inch display. We've actually proliferated that into every single, every single car that'll get uh, Uconnect 5 will have that feature as well. And, and these things, I think, uh, are really cool when you can uh, personalize them. So how personalized is the, I know you have a personalized Pandora setting. Uh, does that work as well with a personalized screen, or is that sort of imported? Uh, can you really choose what music source you want on the screen and those type of things? 
Yeah, yeah. So uh, there's a couple different things you can do. Uh, on the home screen, uh, you have the ability, when I said you can make a custom interface, uh, it's, they're really widget cards, so you can, you can select mul multiple cards and put whatever you want on them. So one of them, if it was music, um, you, can, you, can, you can put it to the, you know, if it's Pandora or SiriusXM, you, you can put it right to that, that music source and it'll always stay there. In the music section itself, when you're in the full app, there's uh, the source bar, you know, the source selections that we have on the left in today's system. You can actually uh, drag and drop your favorite ones there. Uh, and so it's, it's really, uh, yeah, it's really personalized. I mean, you can put all, one of the goals was to put all of your favorite things right place. at the surface. Yeah, I like that idea. Now, there's obviously different sizes of screens for different sizes of vehicles. Uh, large screens are, you know, 12.3 inches. Uh, does this yep. system work on the small screens as well as the large screens? Yeah, yeah. We did, we, so when we started designing the system, we, we always start with the hardest one. Yeah. Uh, so in this, our, our two smallest are the, a 7-inch and an 8.4-inch. So we started with those. And what we do is we make sure with all those new great features and, and content that we're bringing into our system that it's easy to read, it's easy to navigate, it's really just easy to use. Uh, so we start there, and then as we get to the bigger and bigger screens, it just becomes, uh, it becomes a little bit easier. So uh, with this system, uh, you'll, you'll have a, a variety of different screen sizes coming out on different products that um, you'll see in the future. Uh, we've also, with this upgraded hardware, uh, we have the ability to support up to 15 million pixels so what that does is allow us to, to put higher definition screens in the vehicles and, and potentially even power multiple screens. All right. I like that idea. More like a spaceship. Uh, quickly in the last uh, 15 seconds we got, Vince, tell me when the uh, first ones will be available and in what vehicle. So the first ones that you're going to see are going to be in the Fiat 500 um, battery electric vehicle that we showed. And then the second one uh, that you'll see here in North America will be on the Chrysler Pacifica um, with the 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 model year 21 that we just showed in Chicago of this year. Awesome, Vince. You connect five, it's on its way in new vehicles. This is our Auto Expert. More coming up. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert podcast. This is our Auto Expert. Of course, don't forget to send those direct messages. We'd love to answer your questions, and it sparks an awful lot of the interviews that we have, people we bring in. Just direct messages at any of those social media channels. Our Auto Expert is where 2 million Americans get their automotive information daily. There are ports full of cars in the United States because there is little appetite for buying vehicles right now. The length of almost two full football fields, a cargo ship Jupiter Spirit arrived in Los Angeles Harbor on April 24th after almost three-week journey from Japan ready to unload a cargo of about 2,000 Nissan Armada SUVs, Rogue crossovers, and Infiniti sedans in a quick half-day operation. But when the, ships operate, the ship operated by Nissan and Motor Company's freight arm got about a mile offshore, its captain was uh, told to drop anchor, and there the ship remained for almost a week. A floating symbol of the unpredictable logjam as nearby sh lots of storage lots covered, covering hundreds of acres overflowed with vehicles, Americans suddenly having less desire to purchase them. These are the gluts of shapes of things to come, uh, formerly uh, in the U.S., nowadays a testament to the scope of the economic pain that the coronavirus is inflicting across the country. So 
what is going to happen to car sales? Well, we know that secondhand car sales are dropping rapidly. We've talked to some buyers who are seeing car prices drop dramatically. There was a Fiat 500 electric with 16,000 miles on it at auction last week, sold for $6,000 in California. That means that car prices are about half of what they were recently. Uh, there, You can expect to purchase these vehicles for big discounts and with Avis and Budget and uh, also uh, Hertz expecting to drop up to a million cars into the market over the next three months, we could see prices drop as much as 50%. So if you still have money to buy, it might be a good time to do it. Looking at auto sales, they were down with the major companies by about 50% in the month of April. May seems to be on the same track to be a huge drop. Some people fared better than others. Uh, but Ford posting massive losses recently thanks to the COVID-19 problem. So what's going to happen? Although factories aren't producing vehicles right now, they're getting ready to reopen. But that still leaves a glut of vehicles sitting at ports where you might be looking for a new vehicle. This might be the time to buy. Jen, are you listening to me? This yes. might be the time to buy. Yes, I heard you. <laughs> are you going to sell one of your two non-working and one working vehicles to buy just perhaps one that works <laughs> growly angry Jen in the corner <laughs> doesn't seem to be swayed by a 50% drop in car prices no I didn't say that well you got to well, how much would it have to drop for you to make a purchase um, I need a raise neck <laughs> can you make that happen? Then I can buy yes. one. Okay. Give me your boss's phone number. No, I'll call I met you. <laughs> <laughs> I will be more than happy. 22 acre lots with 168 acres uh, on the side where cars are just piling up to be sold. Trucks full of cars, ships full of cars. These brand new vehicles not finding new homes. Americans having very little appetite to buy them, including you, apparently. So, on other news... Did you hear that uh, <laughs> Alexandria Ford English, daughter of Bill Ford, to join the Rivian board? Yep. Well, they had uh, they have a big investment in in Rivian. So yeah, she just joined. She would buy a new truck if she had to. A Rivian, probably. <laughs> no. Once they get started. Yet, yeah. Anyways. I, I don't give up much hope for Rivian being able to no, uh, get off the ground. Not in in amongst the COVID nineteen. Well, and they said they would cancel the joint development. That's the That's latest news. Yeah. yeah so we'll have to wait and see what happens. Uh, so are you going to buy a new truck or not? No. <laughs> Next is a sports car. <laughs> Next is a sports car, C8. Yeah. Why do you always have to go for highly expensive things and not sensible things? Um, because I'm worth it. I only live once. And if I want it, why not have it? Oh. 54%, by the way, April deliveries fell by 54% at Toyota Motors, 54% at American Honda, and 38% at Kia. So these guys are ready to do a deal with you right now. Mm -hmm. Just saying. Mm -hmm. what am I gonna, what's it going to take me to put you into a new car today? What are you, a salesperson? I'm just saying. <laughs> it's my lifelong dream is to sell you a car. No, 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 no. Why? You've got three that hardly work. That's not true. Oh, my god! When was the last time you took your Corvette out? I don't have a Corvette. I mean, you're a, Never. a Camaro. Okay, you know, again, I have to fix it. When did you take your other they, truck out? They don't make the parts. The blue truck. Uh, like two months ago. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. All right, so you have three vehicles. Mm-hmm. And one drives every day. The other two, the last one was driven two months ago. 
Yep. Just making sure. More to come. Our auto experts stand by. We're going to have an interview with Ken Cornus from Cadillac. Are you sure that's his name? Yeah. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Your smart speaker can be your radio. Just say Google or Hey Alexa or Hey Siri. Play our Auto Expert show. And the previous episode will pop right up when it's available. Hours of endless fun while you're in quarantine. Uh, I'm Nick Miles, and this is where 2 million Americans get their information daily, our auto expert. Ken Cornus is joining us from uh, Cadillac, or he is the uh, product manager for future performance sedans. And I have to tell you, when the CTS Vs were uh, when it was discontinued and uh, we never knew what was going to happen with the V brand, it was hard to sleep at night because that's how I got to bed, thinking about the uh, the Vs, the Cadillac Vs that I was going to drive. Well, the good news is the Vs are returning, and they're returning with some special additions in the future. So I guess the first question would be, how long am I going to have to wait, Ken, for these new uh, Vs to show their, their pretty faces in the car dealer lots? Hey, Nick. Well, first and foremost, thanks for having me. It's, it's great to be here with you. Um, and so, yes, this is really exciting news about the, the new V-Series vehicles. And I can't divulge exactly when those will uh, be hitting the market, but the fact that we've made some pretty significant announcements um, should lead you to believe and your listeners that they're coming soon. Uh, tell us a little bit about the V. How was it born? Where were the V-Cars born? And what was the idea behind them? Well, so V-Series, I don't know if people realize, but V-Series was born um, a little more than 15 years ago, 2019 actually represented the 15th anniversary. And that first-generation V-Series, which was the 2004 CTS-V, um, that was really as part of Cadillac's renaissance um, and, and, and really elevation back into the marketplace into really wanting to be the pinnacle of luxury and performance. And so it was in a time period that we called art and science. And so it was breathtaking design but coupled with engineering ex- excellence and technical capability. And so in the midst of that, the CTS-V uh, was born and uh, in 2004, as I mentioned. And we actually revealed that in the Nordschleife uh, in Nürburgring, so the North, North Loop. And so uh, it was a manual transmission-only vehicle, and it was really meant to signal that, that Cadillac was bringing excellence back to the marketplace. And so through the years, V-Series has represented the really, really the pinnacle of American luxury and what our, our capability is at Cadillac. And so um, through the generations and now with these announcements, we're on generation four of our V-Series vehicles. Um, we're elevating and expanding uh, even further. So you've added something called Blackwing, is that right? So t- tell me how that designation works, and is it uh, an ad- addendum to the V-Series, or is it a, it's slightly different from the V-Series? So, so V-Series is our Halo sub-brand, and so it, it represents in of itself, uh, again, ultimate capability, ultimate refinement, and what we're, we're able to provide. Uh, within that, there's the, the Blackwing designation. And so the Blackwing name was actually born for the 2019 CT6V. Um, and so the engine, the 4.2-liter twin-turbo engine, um, that was designated as the Blackwing engine. So 550 horsepower, 640 pound-feet of torque, a hand-built engine that in that vehicle 
um, delivered a zero to 60 in only 3.8 seconds. So truly a breathtaking engine in a vehicle um, that of itself was, was breathtaking. And so that's how the black wing name was, was formed. It really came from the history of Cadillac. And so Antoine Cadillac, which is our, our company namesake, in his original coat of arms, um, there was the, the, the black bird known as the Merlette. And really, um, that was really the inspiration, our history, but also looking forward to create the Blackwing name to designate those things that are truly exceptional. So then when we move forward now, fast forward to the most recent announcement of the CT4V and CT5V Blackwing vehicles, we wanted to go ahead and expand that usage. Uh, where Blackwing just really means something that is the, the ultimate, something that's truly special. We didn't want to just designate that to a particular engine. It was time to go ahead and expand that for these particular vehicles. Now, uh, of course, these vehicles are uh, pr the premium versions. Are they going to be limited in the number that are actually made, or uh, is, is it going to be sort of as many as you can get out of the factory? Well, it, a little of both. I mean, obviously, we're going we're gonna to watch demand, but by very nature, these are limited production vehicles. Um, so... So they're not mass-produced vehicles, and, and there's a lot of handcrafted quality that goes into these vehicles. And so um, they, they will be limited in some of the, the number and scope uh, that you would be able to attain. Uh, but then again, we also want to be there for our customers. And so we're, we're offering capability um, and accessibility like we've never done before with this generation. Now, I know that uh, V-Series has always meant cars so far. It's uh, obviously been on uh, on the ATS and the CTS and now the five and the six, uh, the four and the five. Does this mean that there is the possibility we could see Vs come to CUVs and crossovers, or are we strictly going to keep it in sedans? Well, so 2019, I mentioned our 15th anniversary. That was really, as I mentioned, the, the expansion and elevation of V-Series. And so part of that is we, we have V-Series vehicles, new ones, um, just that launched here in 2019 and 20. I mentioned the CT6V. Uh, and what a, a great vehicle that was. We also, for 20 model year, have a CT4V and a CT5V. And so those are high-performance vehicles that um, people can go to our website, get the details, but even third-party reviews have just been absolutely outstanding on those vehicles. And then in addition to that, we are providing additional levels of performance, and that's where these V-Series Blackwing vehicles come in. So I tell you all that because... Obviously, we're not only looking at elevating in everything that we do, but we are expanding. So to your question, could we see V-Series on crossovers, SUVs? We're not ruling it out. So <laughs> nothing to announce, but, but, but there is that possibility for sure. Well, at least I like your answer as more explanation than can't comment on future product, because I think that gave us uh, at least some, uh, some hope that we could see it on SUVs as well, which tends to be the trend now. People are wanting more performance SUVs than they are wanting performance sedans as well. Uh, you know, I, I have been in the Vs at uh, the racetrack in uh, just outside Las Vegas, um, Red Rock, I think it is, the racetrack that you guys uh, have a Cadillac school at, uh, are the new four and fives going to be uh, sort of, are they going to be Cadillac race schools available? Because that's probably the only chance I'll get to drive one. <laughs> yeah. So, so Spring Mountain, which is right outside of Nevada, I believe that's the one that you're referring to. Yeah. Um, yep. We have a, we have a partnership with them. And so it's, it's already going back a, a number of years. And, and so with, um, previous generation ultimate capable V-series, so CT6V, ATS-V, CTS-V, 
um, customers have an opportunity to go ahead and experience vehicles, those vehicles on the track, basically being yeah. led by professional drivers. And so the vehicles in of themselves really make a person a better driver yeah. just because of the technology and capabilities, but they will be able to go ahead and hone their skills even more leveraging this partnership that we have. So I can't announce anything with these, these new generation of vehicles, but that has been quite successful. And, and really, when you take, think about your, your, your listeners and just the, the passion and enthusiasm they have, those are the people that we want to have as advocates for, for Cadillac V-Series as well. So uh, a, a school, this type of training just only makes sense for us. So Jen's waving across the studio. Me, Pick me, pick me. I have to have a question. I have a question. <laughs> okay. I have a question. Hi, Jen. Hi, how's it going? So going well. Good. Real quick. So I noticed this is actually coming out in a manual. Is it going to be a yes. six-speed, or what is it? Is it going to be pa paddles, or how are you guys going to do that with this new series? Yeah, so so as I mentioned, the first ever V series launched in a manual, mm -hmm. and if you look at the trends of where the industry is going, well, you, you hear the trends about sedans going away. Everyone's moving to crossovers and SUVs, and obviously Cadillac has invested heavily in those spaces um, with XT4, XT5, XT6, Escalade. But we are committed to sedans, and that's why the CT4, the CT5, and these V-Series and V-Series blackened variants are, are important because we know that there are a lot of passionate customers that still want sedans. In addition to that, we are listening to our performance uh, enthusiasts, our advocates as well, because they've been asking for a manual transmission. So the ATS-V the third generation of V-Series, um, that has a manual transmission. But, yeah, as we've announced, with this next generation of V-Series Blackwing vehicles, both the CT4V Blackwing and the CT5V Blackwing will have manual transmissions. And these will be conventional six-speed manual transmissions, but they'll be higher tech and higher performance um, than anything that we've ever offered in a manual transmission. So truly special and something to look forward to. Awesome. Did, I'm what's, so excited. What's the connection with racing now? Because uh, did you learn a lot of this stuff coming through some of the race programs? Absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot of technology transfer that occurs between our racing programs and in our V-Series and really down into to all of the Cadillacs. And so, yeah, throughout, throughout the recent history here, um, we've been involved in racing um, since 2004, really, um, when we had that first CTSV. Uh, we've been in racing and we've competed in a number of different uh, series, SCCA, Pro Racing, um, Pirelli World Challenge. Most recently, we've been involved with uh, in a DPI in the uh, prototype class um, series. And so a lot of success, a lot of wins uh, under our belts. But the, what most people may not realize, as I mentioned tech transfer here, a lot of the folks that work on these V-series vehicles, they also contribute to the race cars. And so our designers, our engineers, they play a, a dual role. And so not only do we communicate with each other, there's a lot of the same people that are actually interacting. And so there is track transfer, and, and you'll see that in the performance of these vehicles. These will be the fastest V-Series vehicles ever. Do you, uh, do you get to go ride in them or drive them before we get to, to do that? Yeah, that's. I tell you, it's, it's good to be in this job. <laughs> I, do, I, I do enjoy it. Um, because you get to see, so first and foremost, I get to interact with customers. Um, and so before we, we build the first part 
um, we we do an extensive amount of research, and so it's it's talking to customers, it's talking to dealers, it's a, it's a lot of in depth research. It's also benchmarking our key competitors. What do they do well? Where do we think we can be better? And so a lot of that work happens up front, and I really enjoy that interaction with with uh, the the market and the, and our customers. Uh, but then in addition to that, we take that knowledge and information, and then we start honing that into what we think will be successful. What do people truly want? And that, and that occurs with these V-Series Blackwing vehicles as well. And so it, it, there's a lot of voice of customer. Um, the manual transmission is a great example of that. Um, our customers, our enthusiasts, said they wanted the manual. And, and even though our key competitors are walking away from manuals, we're not. Um, and so we, we take that input very seriously. Um, and then I get to evaluate and test and work with the other engineers and designers and it's it's a fantastic job. So, um, yes, so I, I do get to experience it, and I can tell you from firsthand knowledge they are truly something special. Ken, uh, in the 15 seconds that we have left, the most important question of the interview, when do I get to drive one? It's always your <laughs> most important question. You know what, Nick? We're, we're going to have to look for an opportunity to get you behind the wheel. Oh, yeah. So some, sometimes <laughs> Don't rest, Ken, until you've uh, found an opportunity. Ken, Ken Connors is the product manager for the future performance sedans, talking about the uh, the CT4V and the CT5V. Now I can sleep well at night knowing that they're coming. All right, more to come on our auto expert, including one of the most American SUVs. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert podcast. Locally created, nationally celebrated from the Northwest and the Southeast, this is America's Car Radio Show. If it has a throttle, we'll feature it on air, online, on smartphone, or on smart speaker. This is our auto expert, where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. I'm Nick Miles, your host, along with Truck Girl Jen. Uh, got the opportunity to drive it several times, the VW Atlas. Uh, I have one in my driveway right now, which is delish. Uh, do enjoy driving. It would be much more fun if I could uh, go further than uh, these test cars I get in my driveway now. I'm worried about turning them back in with few miles. I know the car companies probably like me turning them back in with fewer miles on, but uh, you know, I'm trying to find excuses. Where can I go now? Oh, yeah, let's go uh, drop this off at the food bank, but the one that's 22 miles away. So I'm trying to find <laughs> trying to find excuses to drive them. But uh, you can got still take a drive through the mountains. I know, you sort of can, but I like to have a good reason to do things, like not just make-up reasons. The reason is, like, is you're testing the car. I know. Mm. I, I, but I do feel guilty about all those people that are staying home. I yesterday, know. I have to tell you before we get into talking about the Atlas, yesterday my neighbors, uh, you, you know about the drive-by birthdays, right? Uh-huh. So when someone has a birthday, you drive by the house honking the horn. Mm-hmm. So we, as we were coming out to go to the store, uh, people were driving by my neighbor's house honking. And we can see their front yard. There's no one out there. They're all honking. And as the last car goes past and passes our house, they come running out trying to work out what was going on. <laughs> they missed their birthday drive-by. Anyway, that's, a, that's as I was getting the Atlas to go shopping. It's not funny, but it's funny. It is. Uh, Mark Gillies joining us again to talk about the VW Atlas. Seven reasons the Atlas's seven-seater is an all-American SUV. Uh the seven-seater and the five-seater, which I'm not sure which one I love more. I did love the seven-seater more, but now I have the five-seater, uh, the crossboard in my driveway. I kind of love that more because there's plenty of room for the dogs. I think uh, it's beautiful. Uh, Mark, the seven-seater is very American vehicle, though, isn't it? I mean, it is. I mean, it was very 
much based on what American customers demanded. And America being big and Americans generally having bigger families than the rest of the planet, um, you know, it's a big vehicle and, and, you know, it speaks to the market and what people want in an SUV. So, you know, I think that's the first thing about it that, that makes it a very American vehicle is, you know, partly the way it looks, but I think mostly it's, it's a big vehicle and it, it's got really has got room for seven people inside i can we can talk about this because we're both from uh from the uk originally but when you go back to the uk mark and i'm not sure how regularly you go back do you get a vw or a press car from the vw family or do you end up renting a car i always rent because i like to check out the opposition i'm, I'm always kind of slightly bummed if i end up with a, a vw product as right. my rental car um so i i like checking out other maker stuff you know weird stuff like Peugeots and Citroëns that you don't get here so um, I think the one thing I do find when I go back though is like a Tiguan which is one size down from the yeah. um, Atlas looks like a big vehicle on the roads in, in the UK it's a it sort of you know you, you land and you suddenly realize gosh you know people uh, in this market there's a lot less space you know I, I would say one of the things is you, you try parking a big SUV in a parking space in a supermarket in in the uk it's a giant pain in the neck I, I, <laughs> I may have lost the occasional mirror doing that by the way it's, it wasn't one of your cars though, so don't worry about it it was a volvo uh, but but ultimately so this this is where i'm going with this so ultimately and and this i worked for the police force for a while in the uk which is always my favorite thing to talk about because we used to call some of these cars sheds which is not a, a term that comes across in america but look at that shed meaning you know it's it's pretty sad little thing but ultimately do you when 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 i get a car in the uk i'm like how do people manage because i get in these vehicles and i feel like almost like i'm you open the door and you fall out onto the road it's just an american thing right because i haven't really changed that much so it's clearly just the cars that have changed yeah i think so i mean i think i think the most the best equivalent market, and I think I've said this before, with the US is actually China because in China, people, a lot of people are driven around and they like space in the back. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's interesting that the long wheelbase Tiguan, for instance, is sold in, is the most popular in China and it's the most, it's the one that we sell here because it's that bit bigger than the, the one in, in Europe. So I think, you know, I, I think space is, I think that's one of the things about America that's very different to large parts of Europe is, you know, you get a lot of personal space relative to parts of Europe, you know, just like the backyards of most people's houses, um, if they're in the suburbs, are much bigger than you'll find in Europe. I mean, obviously, it's different in cities, but for sure, you know, again, comes to a supermarket parking lot, you know, you go to Costco or something, and there's space to put a suburban, and it's not not a difficult, or an atlas, you know, it's, it's the same thing. Um, the the one big thing I always find is different is the amount of cup holders because in the in the UK or in, especially in German cars you want know, cup holders if you need coffee if you stop for coffee why would you have coffee in the car <laughs> and of course you know like Americans want two hundred cup holders we got seventeen in the Atlas so oh, that's yeah. two drink two drinks for every occupant so with a few left over I, I, it is a big difference actually I mean. I first remember, I drove 9-11s years ago, I think, when they first had these cup holders. And they were these incredibly elaborate and incredibly fragile things that wouldn't actually take, like, an American-sized mug. It was just, it was astonishing. It was, it was desi- I never actually understood why Porsche designed their cup holders to not actually take, take anything. It was yeah. really strange. 
I think cans were different sizes or drinks were different sizes in Europe. Why is your mouth open, Jen? Well, because I'm fascinated about the, the nomenclature. I didn't realize um, how the vehicle was determined by the name. Oh, yeah. Well, tell us about that, Mark. We've got about a minute left. Yeah, I mean, it's Atlas because, you know, most of our SUVs are begin with a T. So we have, we've had Tuareg and Tiguan, um, and those names are created in Germany. This name was created by this market, basically, because we wanted to make it obvious to everybody that um, this was an American vehicle. It's obviously built in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And I think Atlas is a good name. You know, it's, it's either a place that you can go or it's a range of mountains or it's even a, a greek god i believe but so it's it's a good name and it's unusual that we were given the, the latitude to come up with our own name which you know shows how important the vehicle is for this market it is it's a great vehicle the uh, the atlas and the crossport version on sale in the united states and you can go test drive them right now i will tell you out of these large three row or these large SUVs that are on sale in the United States. It's the only one, I think, still today where you can put a child seat in the second row and still tilt it forward. Plus, it has some very, very American things about it. Right? Mark Gillies from VW, thank you for joining us. I think it's the very American vehicle, of course, made in the United States as well. More Our Auto Expert on the way. Stand by. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Catch up with previous episodes of the show, our website, ourautoexpert.com. You can hear all the past shows, see the automotive videos, and read insider car stories about your next ride. Our Auto Expert is where two million Americans get their automotive news daily. You'll find it all at ourautoexpert.com. Hey, Jen, don't walk away from the microphone. I have a question for you. Yes? How do you say the name of the next car? Oh, bite neck. <laughs> How do you say it? Escape. It's not Escape. It's the Ford Escape. Um, I had it out of the fleet. It's Escape, not Espresso. It's Espresso. Guess what? What? I'm escaping out of here. <laughs> <laughs> we have this argument every time the, the vehicle comes up. Uh, Chris Moscow joining us from Ford. He is the Ford marketing manager. Uh, the new Escape, I had it out of the fleet recently, got to drive it. Uh, these vehicles, the Escape family, Chris, has been a huge seller for Ford, right? Yeah, it's been a great seller. It's actually our number two seller behind S-Series. So uh, the Escape's been in market for about 20 years. It was our first unibody SUV, but it's been a terrific seller for here at, for uh, for our Ford, and we hope it uh, continue in the future with our new design. So the 2020 uh, upgrades significantly. I do, I do know an insider story here, and you don't have to comment on this, but I'm going to retell it because I think it's one of the funnest stories out there. So when I first got to see the picture of the vehicle, I said, oh, it looks very much like a Porsche Macan. I'm sure you've heard that before. And I was told by the person that showed me the picture of it that said, oh, that's interesting because we sent it back to have it redesigned because it looked didn't look enough like a Ford the first time out. So uh, I said, well, I, I actually like that. I like it and got to drive it uh, in, uh, I think we went to Nashville, didn't we, to drive it for the first time. Uh, that's where the launch was. Uh, we, we Down the southeast somewhere. I uh, was very impressed by the vehicle. It comes in a lot of different flavors now. You've upped your game at Ford to give everybody choices. Yeah, that's correct, and I can tell you that actually is a true story. So we do a lot of testing in the development process, and the first time we took it to testing, uh, a lot of people thought it was a vehicle by Porsche. Uh, so we actually made sure that you know all the Ford DNA was in there. We updated the design, so when the next time we tested it, it actually came across as people without even seeing the badge knew it was a Ford, but they thought it was a great-looking Ford. And I have to say, yeah, you're 
dead on. Um, one of the things that we really offer the customers, we actually have four different powertrains on this Escape, tons of different options. But there's a there's a trim series and there's a powertrain for everyone. So if you want the base 1.5 liter, we have that. We also have a two liter with uh, with a, you know. 250 plus horsepower that can tow 3,500 pounds. And we actually have two hybrid variants as well. We have a regular full hybrid electric vehicle and then a plug-in hybrid that should be available very soon. So no, four powertrains. No ST available. yet? When's the ST coming? Ooh, I, I hope soon. <laughs> I, would love to, I would love to have an ST. So yeah, it would be a, be a great story, you know, and especially, you know, as we transition from a Ford strategy, you know, out of cars and the silhouettes and the SUVs that people want, you know, there's still a, a want for those dynamic driving vehicles. So I'd love to see one, an ST on the road sometime soon. I like the, the grill. So you change the grill up front to give it sort of a three-dimensional look and feel. Yeah, the grill was one of the big design changes. You know, we, we I think a lot of people are probably familiar with some of the original escapes. We had the old boxy design, kind of more traditional SUV. Last time, uh, last generation commonized with Europe, so a little bit sleeker, and we took that styling a little bit forward. So you see that front end has that big kind of happy open grill on the front, a very sleek design. It's actually, even though the interior dimensions are bigger on the inside than the outgoing model it looks sleeker lower to the ground and then you know we know that everyone's everyone likes that uh, kind of change with a little bit sleek sportier looking suv so we actually have another product built off of the same platform coming out i think uh, either later this year or early next year as well so we'll have both those flavors in the showroom but yeah the the new look of the escape very sleek sporty stylish while still keeping all the interior space that our customers want in an SUV. Now, the second row is quite surprising because you can get a lot in the trunk and the second row gets more spaces than vehicles much bigger than it. <laughs> yeah, and that's a part of the innovation. One of the things that we wanted to do with the interior is provide customers with versatility. That's why a lot of our customers have moved to SUVs is, you know, there'll be the occasional trip that they need to make or they'll have different things that they need to use their vehicle for. So we have a sliding second row seat that moves about six inches. So we actually have more uh, second row leg uh, excuse me, second row legroom than a Chevy Suburban. So that just shows you how much space is in that second row. I mean, I don't need it only at five foot four, but it's sure nice to have when I take some of my <laughs> taller friends along. You can also get uh, a good package uh, for of equipment in the back. I mean, including golf clubs. Yeah. So one of the things that um, our chief engineer was adamant on was being able to focus on what customers are actually going to be putting in the back of their vehicle. So one of the things that, you know, he stories he all brought up was, you know, a lot of times he would go on golf trips and he needed enough room and a small utility to be able to fit four golf bags. So they tapered in the inside of the vehicle to make sure that it could handle four bags in the back. So they did some great packaging in the rear cargo space to make sure that they could meet those customer needs. Now, a lot of times people manufacture hybrids of these vehicles really just to make people feel a bit greener, um, but they don't necessarily do an awful lot as far as gas savings. The first thing I noticed with the hybrid from this is you can get a huge amount of miles on, on a single tank of fuel. Yeah, it's um, it's actually right, or, right under 600 miles of range on a single tank. Wow. And, uh, you know, we, are, we have one of the best in class from just our base powertrain uh, 30 miles per gallon combined, you can get uh, up to 41 on the hybrid. So we know a lot of customers are maybe not hybrid customers for the green, but, you know, when it starts making sense as far as the range, the capability that you get, um, just the overall functioning of that powertrain and then savings at the the pump, you know, it start makes a very, starts making a very compelling 
story for that powertrain and that hybrid. The technology story is also pretty outstanding. When you did the launch of the vehicle, one of the things that people walked us through was the uh, the change in technology from the original hybrid versions to the modern hybrid versions. And we went from the, it's very much similar to the sort of story of the computer, except this evolved over much uh, smaller, uh, shorter times. You'd look at the original computers and they used to take up whole floors of office buildings. Um, and then they sort of got smaller and smaller down to desktop. Now the battery is so small compared to this massive big thing of years gone by. Yeah, I mean, there's so much uh, advancement in the, the automotive space, and one of the biggest ones is, is, as you mentioned, the battery. So, I mean, that's part of the reason, you know, we were out of hybrids for a few years, but we came back with this one, and you can see the size of the battery is probably about a quarter of the original one, and you get more functionality out of it, out of it as well. So you don't have to take up cargo room in the back. It actually sits under the second row seat, so you don't lose any of that SUV-ness. That uh, full hybrid's available in all-wheel drive, so you get all-wheel drive capability. And then you get all the fuel economy savings for for a reasonable you know, a reasonable MSRP. So it's it's just great what that technology's done, and it's created it where hybrids, not not that niche offering anymore. There's more customers that are going to be looking for that kind of powertrain because all the stuff that it delivers. One of the things I also like is the fact that we have the opportunity to tailor the vehicle for the road that you're on. So you can change the drive modes uh, of the vehicle for uh, a stately drive where you're trying to save fuel. You can actually put it in an eco mode. Uh, if you're getting bad weather, put it in the uh, slippery mode or the normal mode. Uh, but then you also have a sport mode in there as well. Mm. And be honest with me. Be honest with me. Is that the mode that you drive mostly in? Because I had a hard time taking it out of sport mode. Yeah, sport mode is my favorite. You you just get the different shifts. It feels a little bit, you know, more, you, you just a little bit more connected to the road with the shift patterns and everything that it gives you. And I actually love just even sort of the gamification of it. I almost feel like back playing a video game back when I was younger, playing some of those uh, uh, racing games because you you have a 12.3 inch digital cluster. The splash screen comes up. You can choose a different mode to fit your environment. Put it in there, and then you know the pedal mapping, things like that the engine response all changes to the customer so you really get to feel that so it's one of my favorite things about the vehicle i actually even in the hybrid you really i love driving the hybrid it's actually my five favorite powertrain even over the two liter love that putting it in sport mode and just going for a nice drive so that's that's definitely one of the great things about this new escape I, I would absolutely agree with you as well. If you're ever considering to buying anything in this class, go test drive the Ford Escape. You can also find out much more about it at the Ford website. And, of course, there's a microsite that can give you more details about it. Chris Moscow, thanks for joining us. He is the Ford Marketing Manager talking about the brand-new Escape and the fact that it has lots of best-in-class and almost 600 miles in a single tank in the hybrid. There is more Our Auto Expert to come. Find out what crazy Elon Musk has been up to. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert Podcast. This is our Auto Expert Show, the radio show on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can host a conversation with us, just direct messages. Uh, we will take those questions that you have and answer them. It's where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily, ourautoexpert.com. Sales figures are in. Anton Warman joining us. He is an independent analyst and investor. You can read most of his stuff at the street or at seekingalpha.com. Anton, how bad were the sales figures? How bad are the sales figures this April? Well, they were um, bad. You could argue that some people thought that they could have been even worse. And we have still some numbers that have come in 
have not come in yet that uh, could make them look not quite as bad. But uh, the verdict so far of the hard numbers that we have, not the estimated numbers, but really, really hard data from the automakers themselves, and there are only a few of them, is that sales were down by uh, somewhere between 40 and 50 percent on average. But keep in mind that most of those automakers that reported numbers for the month of April are not the automakers that are heavy into pickup trucks. In fact, really none of them that reported their April numbers yet were. And the reason why that is important, Nick, is that there is a thesis out there, which I believe is at least at least partially true to some degree, and that is that um, uh, pickup trucks uh, didn't suffer quite as much of a sales decline as did uh, the broader automotive uh, uh, product categories. Now, a lot of pickup trucks sold in states that had partial shutdowns and not major shutdowns, especially in the southeast. We're also looking at uh, Ford announcing on the beginning of this that they had a big loss as well. So hopefully their pickup trucks will uh, keep them afloat, but they lost a lot of money this year. That's right. So Ford, of course, uh, and all of the automakers are going to suffer dramatically. But uh, that, that you have to uh, put that in a comparison against something. And in this case, that comparison is against what would have uh, been Ford's losses had they not been more heavily dependent on pickup trucks and work vans? Because I would make the argument that uh, that kind of a mix shift that occurred for Ford over the last couple of years as they started getting rid of some of their passenger cars and uh, put a greater and greater emphasis on more and better SUV and pickup truck models, including reintroducing the Ranger, uh, that actually uh, uh, helped the company here in the in the last uh, couple of months. If you're going to buy a, a vehicle and you're interested in buying a sedan or uh, one of the non-so-popular vehicles, you probably get a massive deal now because uh, dealers are sitting here with their sales just plummeting. And I know that uh, auctions have been seeing a 50% drop. Uh, talking to friends who are able to buy a Fiat 500 electric off of the uh, auctions in, the I think, a two-year-old one or a one-year-old one that had 16,000 miles on it, buying it for $6,000. Uh, that's an incredible price to get get those we'll see some of those sedans we're we expecting to see huge amount of discounts on those sedans before all of those rental cars are dropped into the market i think that we are going to see even bigger discounts in the next couple of months and the reason for that is that i think that there are a lot of parties out there uh meeting dealers and uh, other entities that have uh large quantities of autos that will become for sale, they just haven't really dropped their pants yet on the prices as much as one would expect in a major catastrophe like this. So I think that uh, we are seeing, certainly in wholesale used cars, auctions and so forth, we're seeing prices drop dramatically. But if you look around at uh, how automakers advertise, I'm not seeing as big of a discount as I would have expected by now. So. I really think there's more to come. Oh. 
Anton's cutting in and out there, so uh, we'll tr- we'll try and get him back. When we come back, uh, I want to talk a little bit about what's been going on, on with Elon Musk. Uh, he had some interesting tweets this month uh, that, that came out that caused some reaction in the market, as well as Tesla's talking about moving. Uh, where will they move and why are they thinking about moving? Uh, their factories in China sparking up again, but what's happening to the factories in the United States? And uh, also, Elon Musk is the company solid? Is it going to make it through COVID-19? We've got that coming up. Don't forget that if you want to listen to this show and previous episodes of the show, then of course you can go to our website, ourautoexpert.com. There you'll see a whole bunch of your uh, of these shows. They're available for download. You can also podcast them to your smart speaker, to your smartphone, or to your computer. And you can see all of our TV reviews. We have a whole bunch of uh, television reviews that we do every single week. There is is probably three new ones up there this week. You can find out how COVID-19 is treating car sales. You can also find out about some of the vehicles that are doing well during the COVID-19 pandemic. And Mike and I get to review the Nissan Titan. He's in Tennessee. I'm in the Northwest. You'll see us both review it simultaneously and what we thought. That's all at OurAutoExpert.com. Anton Woolwin's still with us. He's an independent analyst and investor. So, Anton, there is an awful lot of news about Tesla this week. Uh, Elon Musk seems to be on full form with Twitter again. Yes, not only on Twitter, but also on the quarterly earnings call, which took place on Monday, which was followed on Friday by uh, listening to a new Auto Twitter tirade that was uh, rather on the epic side and can only be matched by his own August 2018 Twitter tirade in which he claimed that he had uh, a deal to go uh, private at $420 per share, and this almost topped that Twitter tirade. So what happened here? Well, clearly uh, Elon Musk is very frustrated by the fact that uh, the government of California has essentially shut down his only factory in the United States that makes automobiles, which is in Fremont, uh, in the, the San Francisco Bay Area in Alameda County. And uh, it's going to be shot, uh, it appears, until the end of May or perhaps even longer. So he can't be producing cars, and that's where all of his cars are built that go to the Americas as well as are exported to uh, Europe and, for that matter, some parts of Asia. And then, of course, most recently, uh, Tesla has a factory in China, which makes so thus far only for Chinese consumption, but over time will likely produce cars for worldwide consumption as well. So that's the background to what happened here. And uh, he basically says that this is not just a bad policy, but that it's, un- it's unconstitutional. And he used some other choice words to describe what he thought of this whole thing. And then when he came back on Friday, he said that um, uh, he is going to have this so-called battery day in a few weeks from now hopefully in a few weeks from now, where he's going to introduce some new battery technology. And he says, well, I will either have that event in California or in Texas, depending on which state that allows uh, the event to be held. And that was, of course, uh, a clear dig at California, which is essentially suggesting that large gatherings aren't going to be happening anytime soon, whereas you could presumably have such larger gatherings in Texas by that time. And then he said, well, I'm also selling almost all of my worldly possessions. And he says he will own no more homes. And, of course, he's got a very large assortment of extremely expensive homes, uh, primarily a 
uh, an entire cavalcade of homes in Bel Air, which is one of the ritziest neighborhoods in all of Los Angeles. And uh, so we'll see where what that means in terms of where it goes. But you can certainly not be faulted for believing that he's at least contemplating to essentially shutting down his California factory. And if he gets a good deal from Texas, then he needs to rebuild a factory over there. That is uh, certainly something that I would view to be at least a possibility that uh, most people have not yet been considering. Uh, he wouldn't be the first, though, because that's what attracted Toyota to move their headquarters from uh, Torrance or Thousand Oaks over to uh, Plano in Texas because they got such a good deal. So Plano is uh, willing to attract many more people to the Dallas area. So there could be a chance that uh, some county in Dallas would be willing to up the ante and actually uh, attract Tesla into their fold. I believe that is exactly what is being would would it be a big would it be a big blow for for California if Tesla uh, decided to leave? Oh, lost. You would think so, but uh, you would have, have to ask yourself the following question. Uh, lost. Uh, other entities have Keep losing you in and out there, Anton. Sorry, sorry. Answer the question again if you can. Yeah. It was- Oh, I don't think we're going to get Anton back. Oh, there you are. Uh, Unfortunately, you keep coming in and out, Anton. Uh, Let's turn our eyes to uh, looking at uh, some of these companies reopening in the United States. Uh, We've talked about uh, Ford has had a press conference that said they're preparing their factories to reopen. They're going into them. They're looking at spacing. Uh, They're looking at trying to make sure they're safe for the workers. The union is still out, uh, is working with them to try and work out whether it's uh, worth returning to work. Uh, for the safety of their workers. Volkswagen is returning to work in Germany, but they're not reopening in the United States yet. Everyone's getting ready to reopen. We're hearing about how they're preparing their factories, but nobody's put a firm date on reopening the factories. No, there's, of course, a lot of complications around supply chain, first and foremost. So it's not enough to say, oh, my God, let's call like our workers that are going to come to the assembly line. We're going to start... Uh, turning up the body shop, the paint shop, all of those things take time. But on top of all of those things, you need your suppliers to be able to deliver all of these components and modules in a just-in-time basis. And this is a very uh, fragile and well-coordinated effort that if uh, one piece is missing, that car is not getting going off the line. So all of these automakers have conditions that could be up and running here in May at some point. But uh, many of these things are easier said than done. It's a balance, isn't it? Uh, a sort of a dance between uh, whether people will still have vehicles on the lot to be sold, namely trucks, which seem to still be the core of American automotive sales, and whether the factories are going to get up again and, and start them. Because if the supplies start to run low, you could see trucks and SUVs going up in price and vehicles like uh, you know sedans and cars going down. So how many days of supplies of trucks do you think are, are available on dealer lots? I don't have the exact number, but I know that it's less than in many other regular cars now because the cars just aren't moving to nearly to the same extent. And uh, the trucks, of course, are moving, but either way, these automakers are going to see a reduction in absolute demand, even for pickup trucks. Uh, they may be outperforming regular sedans and other types of cars, relatively speaking, but the absolute number 
of pickup trucks that are going to be sold in the coming months may still be lower than what we have seen up through February. At that point, you can't run the factories at full fast. That's that's another problem. You simply are not going to get the same economics out of these factories because you're going to have a lower absorption of these fixed costs if you're only running these factories at say 65 or 70 percent as opposed to running them at 90 95 and of course you could uh, you could have a flow of parts for anything but those parts might be limited and uh, as soon as you run out the factory stops again we did hear that nissan plans to begin building cars again in june after suspending production for more than six weeks uh those cars or the the their production is that going to be in the United States, or are they again just starting up production in other parts of the world which were suspended? Because Nissan in Europe re- remains closed right now, but uh, they look like they may have a chance of reopening as one of the earliest. It looks right now that outside of China, the timing of the reopening is more similar than not, meaning there's not all that many weeks that uh, differentiate. Uh, the European, the North American, and the other non-Chinese Asian manufacturing plants, whether inside of Japan or in some of the other countries in Asia, such as in Thailand. Uh, more so than not, they're all looking at some fairly similar dates. So that's certainly applied to Nissan, which has factories at all of those regions. Now, let's turn, I want to talk about a a story that came out of California this week, and that is the fact that because dealerships are closed and people's leases expired, several people in California have not been able to return their vehicles to uh, the dealerships where they lease them from. In fact, no other dealership will take that leased vehicle either on the lease return program. And after calling the the company, the financial arm of Ford that released those vehicles, they were told, just hang on to them. You just have to pay the license and insurance until that vehicle is uh, is able to come back. So what's the legal ramifications of this? If, if car dealerships are refusing to take back leases, doesn't that leave this really strange hole where you don't actually own the car, the car anymore, but you're still driving it? Yeah, I think uh, for the consumer, the only liability here is to make sure that you keep on insuring said vehicle. I think other than that, I don't think we need to worry about that all too much from the consumer standpoint. Now, it does go to show how totally insane the whole situation is, that something that's fundamental. It says normally, of course, whether you're the finance company that has financed this piece or whether you're the automaker or anybody, I mean, if you're one minute late and handing back that lease, they're going to hunt you down like bin Laden, right? So this is what normally happens. And I was like, well, just hold on to this thing. So my advice is as long as they give the green light, hold on to it. Just keep paying your insurance and uh, you should be in good shape. Uh, let's talk about uh, leases. Uh, from leases, let's talk about new vehicle launches. Uh, we now know that the new Hummer EV launch has been delayed due to COVID-19 pandemic. But we did get an email this week from Toyota, who were initially supposed to have a ride and drive uh, for the Lexus LC convertible. And now that has been postponed as well. But they did say in that email that they have a lot of new product news to come. So I've talked to several manufacturers and nobody seems to have a plan if auto shows don't happen how they're going to release these vehicles how, how do you think that automakers are going to start to release the vehicles well i think that you will have the reveals 
will be done to a greater extent online because we want a broad audience for the reveals. Now, when it comes to these first drives that you and I have gone to so many hundreds and hundreds of times, I think they will return. I think they will return pretty quickly. By quickly, I don't mean by August. I mean by sometime by September, October at the earliest. But I think they will return for the end of this year because example, these are small events. They're, they involve groups of maybe 30, 40 people, maybe 50 of those. And I think that uh, there's no other practical way to do these things. So those will return, I believe. But in terms of the big reveals and the whole auto shows uh, that sometimes uh, are folded around them, I think that, that is a far bigger question mark. So that is a, uh, I think that, that, that is a ship that may not leave the harbor again. I know that uh, the LA Auto Show furloughed their entire staff this week, uh, which puts that into question in November, whether that'll go ahead. Uh, also, the, the New York Auto Show rescheduled for August, but uh, there's no word of whether that'll still go ahead at this point. Uh, do you think it's the end of the auto show as we know it? You know, uh, I once said that uh, if auto shows didn't exist, somebody would have to invent them, because the two things bring life to the automotive industry. Uh, and I'm not speaking only about the consumers that can go through and sit in every vehicle, but even for industry people, so sort of like us, they bring life to the fact that it's a place where we can casually uh, talk to people in a way that it's just very hard to get together uh, in that large amount of relevant people from such a very long list of automakers at the same spot. So I, I, uh, I, I still hope that there will some auto shows left and that uh, they will not completely disappear. But I do believe that there will be some casualties here in the near future. Anton Wallman is an independent analyst and investor. Uh, Anton, you can read most of his stuff at uh, Seeking Alpha or the Street. Probably one of the most intelligent people that I know. He uh, also has some solid advice as to car companies and their future and how well they, they will be doing. Uh, if you'd like to listen to further episodes of Our Auto Expert, that is available on our website. We have a podcast there. Every single episode of this show. Jen, how many hundreds of years have we been doing this show? Like... Seven. Seven hundred years. Uh, or seven more. Or more. Uh, we've been doing this, year, this show for many years. There are many versions of this show online. You can watch it. If you'd like to see some of our news reports, which run on TV stations all over the United States, you can actually uh, see those at Our Auto Expert as well. And the written team of our boss, uh, Perry Stern and Mike Meredith, write some great articles that you can read online as well like the 20 strangest car names things like that you can read those articles as well it's all at ourautoexpert.com where two million americans find their automotive news daily i'm nick miles thanks to truck girl jen for being in the studio we'll see you next time on our auto expert you've been listening to our auto expert with nick miles find all the show episodes at ourautoexpert.com please follow us on all social media twitter Facebook and Instagram at our auto expert and message us for a quick and witty response.